On today's show, we are joined by Mr. Dan Ross. Dan spent many years working as a full-time assistant based out of London before making the leap to becoming a commercial photographer in his own right. We chat to him about what he learnt from assisting, the do's and don'ts of the job, and how, why, and when he decided he was ready to transfer to full-time shooting. There's some absolute gold in today's episode, along with some laugh-out-loud anecdotes from Dan's time crewing and teching. So sit back, lend us your ears, and enjoy. So, uh, yeah, Dan Ross. Uh, we've both known him a pretty long time, actually, a good few years. And, uh, yeah, I think we're both quite fond of him, really. It's uh, it's certainly an interview. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's many photographers in London that won't have had some interaction at some point with Dan Ross if they're shooting in the commercial sector. He's uh, He was a bit of an assistant slag. <laughs> I mean, in the nicest I mean, possible way. In the, in the nicest possible way. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, he he was one of the busiest assistants because he was so good. He was fantastic. You know? He was one of those people that if you had on a shoot, you would um, you'd be happy that things were just going to work out. You know, you felt confident. Um, he, but also, uh, you'd have you'd have a good time as well. He's uh, he's good 100%, value. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, likes likes making jokes one or two one or two uh, but it's a shame that he didn't put any in the interview today so, <laughs> so, so it's um it's you know we we were always worried i think when we started the podcast about having a a dry photography podcast and with guests like dan we have certainly achieved our aim <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe don't listen to this one with kids around um, yeah and definitely uh, hold on to your headphones it is a uh it's a cracker Cool. Well, without much further ado, let's uh, get into it. This week on the show, we are very lucky to be joined by uh, Mr. Dan Ross. Hello, Dan. How are you doing? Hello, all. Uh, very well. Uh, a little bit toasty in my little office on a hot day. But apart have, from that, yeah. We, we have picked a horrendously hot day to do this. So apologies. I know you'd rather be outside sunbathing. Well, to be, to be fair, I'm so pale, I'm like a reflector. So um, it's actually <laughs> probably good to be shade hunting. So I wouldn't. I'm actually not holding anything against you, so it's okay. Well, we appreciate we appreciate it. I had to set up a sea stand in the garden today for my wife to hold an umbrella for shade. This is what photography gives you life skills. It's absolutely fine. Indeed. <laughs> so um, basically, we we wanted to bring you on the pod today, Dan, because um, anybody who's worked in London uh, as a photographer will probably have come across you. You obviously are now a Fully functioning adult. Fully functioning. Uh, <laughs> fully, fully functioning commercial and advertising photographer with a with a fantastic portfolio. And your journey to get there was obviously via assisting. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted to start really by asking you to explain a little bit about that that journey and what, what that looked like. Yeah. Um, so never planned on being an assistant. Uh, it, it was a real like weird dog leg. So um, in the last recession, I was, I was actually going to be a brickie. Uh, well, I was. And then all the work dried up and I've always skateboarded, BMX, whatever. Um, and I was just like, well, what do I actually do? And a few of my mates were like, well, why don't you just take pictures? Because I always had like a, I had like, I remember I had this old, uh, was it a 60D, like a Nikon? Like a really shitty old SLR, you know, and um, I had like a 20 mil lens on it, which worked out to be like a 35 or whatever. And then anyway, that's boring. But 
start taking photos and then that kind of just went and I ended up going to sort of like do a foundation degree and actually I found that in the studios and on the commercial side it's very similar to building it's like creative problem solving so you know you're, you're still rigging you're on, on the crew side you know assisting and gaffering you're still rigging stuff you're still meeting different people all the day um it's quite a good once you get your network it's quite a good community as well um, and you meet all those different character types, which actually you, you weirdly enough meet on a building site as well. It, it mm-hmm. is strange. It's almost replicated. It's um, you know, but it's just that the end product is isn't a solid frasier. It's a digital banner somewhere in a train station, you know. Um, so yeah. So I mean, the, the thing that really spurred me in was to assisting anyway the technical side. Um, and I just fell in love with light and being able to solve problems for other people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like if someone comes to you with a plan and they say this, I need this to look a certain way, you know, I always, I was always taught my, by my dad who's an engineer to be indispensable and to be someone that you can't be without. And so to be able to do a job to the level where someone walks away and says, fucking hell, yeah, you know, it'd be good to get him on the next job, not in an ego way, but in like a, uh, a clear professional work way mm-hmm. was something that was already in me from being on site. That mm-hmm. makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I probably stayed assisting longer than I planned to because I didn't think I would, I didn't think I'd enjoy it so much. Um, and I actually think in the period I was assisting, it's, definitely turned into more of a lifelong career choice in the UK. Mm. You know, I think it's become a lot more uh, Americanized in the sense that you can command all right rates and you can be respected um, as a professional without having to hold a camera in that sense. You know, I think when I started, probably be, there was definitely like different levels, but when I started, I was definitely more of a, I think dog's body is the wrong term, um, but you know you were more of a, you know, a little bit of everything. And now I think you can sort of specialise, and you can make a name for yourself for being that person. Where if someone, for example, wants a composite drink shot, they will ring, blah blah blah, because they know that he's really good with this kind of tech. Or if you're on location, they know that this guy travels a lot. You know that I think the flexibility to carve out your own path without necessarily taking the picture is a lot clearer now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I mean, I probably just rambled a lot and not actually told you anything about how, how many how many years did you assist then in the end? I think it's about eight. Okay, maybe it's nine. A, it's a decent amount of time. That is a decent yeah. amount of time. Yeah. So where mean, did you Where did you start? Like, how did you kind of get your first assisting gig? Yeah. So when I um, was in uni. I ended up getting like a, it's like a professional practice brief, you know, and I was so, I, was, I, re, I had a chip on my shoulder in uni because I really didn't, because I come in from working and stuff, I, I was just really not bothered. I was like, you know what, this is so boring. And, you know, I, I don't, you know, the weird thing was I really liked documentary photography, but in uni having to study it, I was like, mm, this is rubbish. Because I was so used to, you know, being independent, getting a pay packet, doing all that stuff. Mm. And I sort of come in afterwards. So I had a chip on my shoulder. So anyway, we got this professional practicing and like email some people. And I actually emailed Glenn Burroughs 
Um, and he was doing, I think it was like a JD sports campaign in um, Kilburn at a sports centre. Anyway, mm-hmm. so he was like, why don't you come down? Uh, it's not paid, but you can see what's what and blah, blah, blah. Went on set. Um, Ari, who's now over at JJ Media, was there when he was assistant back in the day. Um, Yavit Ergens, he's running, um, I think he's gone into production at April, May, was there. He was digging. And it was the the warmth those guys showed me. I, I just were, I, I was a bag carrier. I didn't know any lighting brands. I didn't know, I didn't know anything. Do you know what I mean? I knew what light was and I knew what looked all right. Mm-hmm. And I think they were using all bronze Scoro packs on location and stuff. And, you know, it was like, it was quite GQ 2005 vibes, you know, lots of clips and lots of contrast. And, you know, I was like, what, what is all this kit? This is mega. This is cool. And, they're, you know, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, at the end of the day, Glenn was just like, you've got a really good work ethic. You know, here's a wanna Go treat yourself to something. And I, I, and the advice that Ari and Yannick gave me and stuff, you know, just work really hard and the money will follow and all that kind of stuff if you're worried about living. And Because I was saying to them, you know, costs in London because I didn't have much savings and and I just graphed and I think actually that day instilled a lot into me and I took away from that that yeah uh my three main rules for assisting were don't pay attention to what anyone else is doing work really hard and work really well mm-hmm. that, and that, those are my rules so <clears throat> I what do you I, mean by the first one sorry like don't pay attention to what anyone else is doing so I, I think when you're an assistant you worry a lot about your busyness just i think i I think the photography industry because you're so invested in yourself you're not totally detached from your business right so it can become like a personal thing so say if you say if you get hired by a photographer and they don't like you just because it's it's the world isn't it you might not get on or whatever or they might not hire you again but Mm -hmm. you know joe blogs has been hired six times by him in a month why am i not getting that job that it's just not good Whereas if you are like a horse with some blinkers on and you're just going job to job to job to job, to job then you are, you're only ever improving yourself and you're not taking too much from other sources. And it's, for me, it, it, I'm, I, I guess I get a little bit stubborn where it's probably a bit of my obsessiveness as well where I just want to learn and be able to make sure I'm doing everything within its power on each bit of kit. I don't know mm-hmm. if that makes makes any sense, but, you know, just working out my own ways to do stuff. Whereas I think a lot of people might worry that, oh, you know, I've only, ha- I've only had like X amount of days this month. And that's when you start looking too much, whereas that time should be spent. If you're wanting to be a career assistant, marketing, ringing, getting meets, calls, sure. you know. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, my tactic was instead of being a regular with someone i i wanted to be as unregular as possible but as known as possible so contacting as many agents as possible working with a really wide range of photographers from food to uh you know cars travel but a lot of it for a lot of years it was very tech heavy locked off composite you know um advertising where i learned a lot of how to apply studio to location Mm-hmm. which I think a lot of photographers, um, I think they appreciated because you could say, you know, you can use this bit of tech here and this bit of tech there. Um, and it, if anything, it was also an excuse because I, I was always very transparent. I'd be like, 
some people I see to be like, but I'm not actually sure what this light does. But I know because your agent said you've got another 400 quid in the budget. If we hire it, it could be really cool. And 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 the photographers who haven't assisted, who don't know, they go, uh, does it come out of my margins or rates? Because, you know, advertising, whatever. And, and you go, no. And they go, oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and you cool. So then in your head, you're like, oh, I'm going to mess around with this light all day. And then you can take that knowledge and apply it to another shoot where it might work better or whatever. So for me, it was just, yeah, getting clued up and, and not wanting to be like that assistant over there working for that guy. And why is he his regular? He must be really good. I want it to be like, not again, not in an ego way or anything. I want it to be the guy where someone's on set and then someone would have a light and they'd be like, oh, yeah, I saw on Instagram that Dan Ross posted that thing three weeks ago. And then someone says, who's Dan Ross? And they go, I don't know, but he's quite busy. He's worked with this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. And then it got to the point where I was like, I think it took about 10 months or a year. And then everything snowballed and I was, I was pretty much fully booked for about five years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Monday, that's why I think I stayed longer assisting. Like a Monday morning at 11, I would have had like seven emails for options, most of them clashing. But what I also wanted to do was not hog that work, was to send that work out through WhatsApp groups and hold everyone else's rates and push their rates up so everyone else was getting busier and doing it Mm -hmm. that way. You know, a a real collaborative effort, which I think, you know, people have mentioned before, and I think we were having a chat before we got on, it can be quite hard as photographers because it's quite isolate. Whereas assistants, you you, you do bond to get, there are circles which overlap where there, you know, there might be a group of 20 here and a group of 15 here where everyone looks out for each other's interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what I meant about the industry changing before. It might have been every man for himself. Um, that's how it felt to me anyway. So that's why I blinked and didn't pay attention because I didn't want to try and monopolize. I wanted to try and learn and engage with the photographers and, and, and take different bits from different people. You know, if you mm-hmm. can apply the way a car photographer uses light, this sounds really, really boring, but to a courgette on a food shoot. So, you know, you're like, you, you might be bouncing the light instead of doing it direct and whatever. Then people go, oh, fuck, yeah, I never thought about doing that. And you go, well, yeah, there's, it's just a surface which is semi-matte and did it, you know. Um, which, again, loops back to the building thing. You know, you might say, use a different material on this wall, you, you know, whatever. Um, so, yes. I mean, rambling again. I mean, I feel like this isn't really That's a conversation. Great. No, no, no. It's, you know. no, it's good. It's good. I mean, the thing so, is, I, I've used a couple of people uh, from those WhatsApp groups, and I know they really appreciate it. Um, and also, it's it's nice to know that there's that network. And, you know, and it, for, from, for our, from our point of view as photographers, it's great to know that if I message, you know, someone and they're not available – they can go, well, actually, I'm in a WhatsApp group of 30 guys. Do you want me to see if any of them are available? Mm. And they go, sure. And so, you know, you've just not just reached out to one assistant, you've actually reached out to 31 assistants. Mm. So yeah. your, your your options of getting that position filled at a you know short notice is going to be much, much more, well, it's going to be much more improved, really. Yeah, and, and on that level, within those groups, there is a, a transparency where someone isn't clued up on this kit or someone isn't. So you're not just going to – it's not like you're getting palmed off. Because mm. when, I, when I was really busy, I also always made sure that I was really transparent. And I'd say, you know, like I've had, I've had a three-day come in. You know, I was always quite um, – I think 
that's where I bumped heads with quite a lot of photographers. So say if I was on a first option and then it was a one day and then I got like a four day travel gig in, you know, and I, you know, I'd say as, from a business point of view, I have to take this job. Mm. But where some guys might leave that and then sod off and the photographer goes, who the hell is this guy? I'd say I've already talked to three people who are the same level as me, agreed to the same rates as me, done this. This is your options. And if you're happy, I'd be grateful to take this job and hook you up with these guys. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's a trust level between the assistant and, and the photographers as well, which is what I'm now learning as a photographer. It is quite strong, you, you know, and you do start seeing, you know, the, it's not a loyalty thing because I, I don't think anyone should be, at the end of the day, in advertising, you know, you're running a business. There have been times where I've had assistants I respect say, oh, I can't come tomorrow. But no reason or no whatever. And I, I don't get arsy about it, but I just say, oh, so, and I actually talk about it laterally. And I say, did you not think that maybe you could, before doing this, uh, have said to X, Y, and Z, are you free, blah, blah, blah. And for me, it's no different so because of being a bit of a slack on working. You know quite a lot of people say so I, I can bring people in on connections, but I think for me, it was always about being professional and do, doing the best uh, you can within your remit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and if that but helps, I... sorry? Do you, do you think that, that, that your way of approaching it is, is kind of um, promoting the community aspect of it is generally people are scared of perhaps doing that because they feel like, especially with photographers, you see this, people are very guarded. It's very kind of closed off. People yeah. don't want to kind of reveal their secret, whatever. And there's there's not <clears throat> the same level of transparency where actually when you do bring that in like you have and like you were with the whatsapp group and turn it into a community actually everyone does start to benefit and Mm. most of all you're the person who comes out of it that people are going actually that dan ross is a really nice guy and he's sorted me out with this and he helped me out with that and i think that then everyone basically comes out better if Mm. they all play along and play nicely in a way there's no in life in general you know, I've always been of the angle that there is absolutely no point um, chokeholding a situation into being good for yourself because there's always going to be collateral damage, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, whenever I was hooking up someone for a job, they'd be as good, if not a tiny bit better than me on a certain thing because then full circle, it comes back to you. Mm-hmm. you. You know, you go, well, that assistant you gave me was absolutely amazing. Best of, and you go, yeah, yeah, I know, I know they are because I want you to be sorted. And then, they, and then someone would be like, "Are you free next week?" And you go, "Okay." You know, there's no, you know, if you're going to hire someone, it's like if you're a photographer, you want someone who knows more about something than you, so you can get on with what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. as a, as a photographer now, I want to look through the viewfinder and say this looks great, but not have to worry to tell X, Y, and Z how to use this light in the corner. I just want them to do it and, and get on with it. And and it's if you're not allowing other assistants to get onto those sets and see that and absorb that knowledge, then the photographers aren't going to have that level of, um, uh, I don't know what you call it, like intuition, isn't it? Like you, you want to be able to work with a team. Layla always, my partner always tells me off that I don't actually tell her anything or words. I just point or go, what, you know, cause I'm used to being on a set where it might be working where no one actually says anything for an hour, but everything gets done. 
and uh, you know i'll right. be trying to make a salad and I'll, I'll be like where's the pepper and you, well, you didn't ask for one do you know that's the problem well you know, you know pepper goes in the salad or some shit like that you know it's quite <laughs> sad actually um really rubbish example but um yeah i i, I just loved um being busy making other people busy and just really grafting i think that's the bottom line i was, I was going to say like with with um the things that you kind of did the, your eight years spent doing that what would be your kind of do's and don'ts that you saw on set um that you would give to other people potentially looking to assist do you have anything that you kind of were like that's a massive no-no or you know situations where you thought i'm going to take something away from this and i'm going to make sure that i never do that or that never happens or or just yeah 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 i get you um yeah i'd, I'd say never this could be quite a long list, the never. <laughs> yeah. Never did I ever. Uh, you never get naked. Um, <laughs> never pole dance on a C stand. Um, I, I think never always... It's how to phrase it. Because you can, you can disagree with your employer, but in a professional way. So I'd say, mm. like, never lose your cool, even if someone... I think, you know, there's a certain breed... Uh, of people in any profession who will be um, personally dismissive or aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, there will always be a breed of people who do not act professionally, who you may be working for, whether, whether it is in the production side, the photographer side, the director side, another assistant side. I, I always thought just never take it personally. Um, and if you disagree with something, you have absolutely every right to flag it as long as you have the knowledge to back up what you're flagging. Um, sure. You know, so if, if you think a situation isn't right where some, you know, a way a cable has been run or, uh, you know, pushing ISO up instead of a light, da -da -da -da, you've got every, every reason to, to flag it, but always in a, do you mind if I ask, as a professional, should we be doing this? Not, you're doing it wrong you know, because you, you've been hired for a role and you want to work within your role. You don't want to step on toes or tell someone who's employing you that you're more knowledgeable than them because everyone's got more knowledge in different departments, you know. Um, secondly, don't be an asshole. Just don't do it. Uh, don't ever have an ego. If you've, as an assistant, accepted a job at a rate and then you get on the job and you think this rate isn't worth this, then you're setting your rates wrong and it's not your... Um, it's not your gripe to bring to them, you know, like you're charging them. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there, there, there's been loads of times where I went away on really big jobs <clears throat> on massive campaigns and I'd set my rate at what I thought was good and then and then you think, oh, actually, this is a really big campaign. But you learn from that and you go, okay, so for this, I should be charging this much because that is the workload and the time. And then, you know, so never, uh, I'd say never work for the money you need to do the job to learn what, what it's worth for your time. You know, um, like ne never think you're too pricey for a job um, and, and never be money centric because that's when you don't learn and that's when you're actually quiet. You know, well, I, I, I would think so. Maybe some people would disagree with me, but I think in any walk of life, people who go for the money will never get all of the jobs because they're not considering the... Um, reliability aspect, you know, someone will, someone will give you your worth if you're if you're 
if you're apt. Mm. Um, and then I think, I mean, that probably encompasses it. I, I, I've never really, I mean, I've been on some sets where there have been um, prickly situations, you know, and whatever, but that's when I would take the moment to go eat a banana in the canteen or yeah. maybe good, good to get know, the potassium levels up yeah have a tactical urination outside um <laughs> you know like yeah. I, I guess you know like you, there, there's always that classic like oh an assistant stolen a client off a photographer and stuff but when i was assisting i was always even when i started shooting jobs i was super transparent about what i did and who i was so i that maybe that's the last one never never be opaque um, you know, always, or, always or be, obtuse, or obtuse. Um, yeah, always be honest about who you are and what you're doing on a job and why mm-hmm. you're there. That's it. It does. It, that's it. You know, like if I hired an assistant who said, "I like, I want to shoot exactly what you shoot." Freaking a, just, just do it. You know, ask me any questions. Do that. But if if I hired someone who two weeks later was like. I don't know. Uh, I don't think. No, stop that. I think that's ego coming through. I, w- I wouldn't even care if someone was poaching me because competition is healthy. It's a hard way to describe it. I, I think there, there was a bit I made in my notes before this thing, which was the reason I stopped assisting uh, was because I didn't want to become jaded. I think there's a, a line you cross where you, you want to create and you're on set with a certain type of whatever and you, you become sort of a bit sick of it. You've been in that role too long because you should be going out and making your own content. But if you don't pull your finger out, you'll be making that content for other people, but having some kind of ego complex where you think I should be taking this. And that's what you should never become. You should never be that dude who, when crew is out of the room, you're complaining about a job because again, you're putting yourself there. It is very easy though. I can see how a lot of people do go into assisting with the kind of the, the overall aim of ending up shooting Mm. But it's when you get down to it and you're busy and you're just getting the the money, 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 then you struggle to find time to shoot stuff for yourself. So you find you struggle to find time to end up doing the portfolio and mm. then doing the meetings and stuff like that. All the all the stuff that we obviously love doing. Mm. Um but you know, I hear it time and time again of of assistants who just almost yeah, do get to that jaded point and they're like, Do you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shoot really because I'm I'm doing fine as I as I am. You kind of go, well, I don't necessarily want to hire you as an assistant then because I do want enthusiasm. Yes, yeah, because like, there's a difference, isn't there? There's a difference between that type of assistant and the assistant who's gone, do you know what? I love doing this. I'm going to stay like it. And oh, yeah. Them, they're, in, they're all up for it. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you, don't, you, don't want, you don't want me to turn up on set and to stay in the back of the splitter checking, you know, I don't know, Deliveroo for who's around or whatever, you know, or texting my mum saying, well, I hate my life. Because... The, the only person who, who has the choice to make their life good is yourself, you know. So mm. in that respect, oh, we're getting really deep here with Daniel Ross on life, <laughs> life choices, uh, photography. But, yeah, I, I, it's going back to that divide of the, of the self and the business because you invest so much of yourself and we're, we're all working as ourselves mm. as opposed to as rabbits. I don't know. Um, you have to really make sure that you don't, have too much emotion in your decisions as an assistant i think i'm sure a lot of people would disagree with me 
but mm. that's why the world is great because it's made up of loads of different people but i i was always adamant whatever choices i was making whether it was taking options confirmations rates it was because the knowledge and the experience i got out with it was relevant to the financial income and personal growth oh that sounded good didn't it it but, did um, i i did almost feel like we were suddenly kind of sliding into a seminar yeah man oh but, yeah, yeah. Become was, a millionaire next. Yeah, next just, just buy, <laughs> if you buy all of these books off me for $299.99, I promise you <laughs> in four years you will be shooting a global campaign for everybody at the same time. Um, yeah, that would, but that was, you know, like, um, I guess that sounded really, because I don't really talk, it's weird for me to do this podcast because I, I don't really talk about that much. It was weird because, I, you know, saying, oh, I want to be busy and crack on. I was going to be in the pub or something and another assistant would come up and be like, I hear you're really busy. And I'd be like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not really, you know, just a few, a few things here, there, you know, but then I was always very active on social and Twitter and whatever, running from job to job. And there, there was probably about a year where I was doing like double job days, three days in a row, going home, sleeping three hours. I had, I had like three different assisting kits, like, you know, daylight, natural, grippy studio whatever and all these satchels and my my knee is actually screwed from it from lugging this bloody low pro satchel around because I, I was too cool to have a backpack because yeah. backpacks are noobs you know and then um, what an idiot what, what are you thinking um <laughs> guys don't worry i'm here with my low pro satchel it's got a load of k clamps <laughs> yes but um on the one hand, I was doing that, but then on the other hand, I was actually quite meek, and it's probably a self-esteem, personal thing, you know. Um, and maybe that loops into the assistant thing to, to do your job, but not necessarily being seen. You know, mm. like the photographer turns around, and they know, you know, you've used your intuition to put a bit of quarter diff on a window because you know it's a bit peachy, mm-hmm. and the photographer goes, "Oh, that's good, isn't it?" And you're you're not around; you're actually having a cup of tea, and you don't have to tell them you've done it; that mm. it's just done. And that's what I really loved about being an assistant, especially on bigger sets as well, where you can have someone and because you're not too up yourself, they, they go, look, I say it's a first or whatever, because, you know, sometimes it might be like that or say a, an American photographer has his like lighting technician, but they'll be like, look, you need to do this, this, this and this. And, and you do it all. But while doing that, you make sure like this cable run is as good as can be or there's some fresh cold fizzy water there or this, whatever. And it's not about brown nosing. It's about if you're walking past a food table and it's 11.30 and everyone's been on set at 7, just pick up some protein bars and go put, just go ask the digi or the photographer if they want it or if they want a cup of tea or something. It's, it's not hard mm. to be human, you know, as well. Um, and that's what I think helps you because they go, oh, that was nice. And that's it. Would you, know. would you say that's got to be one of your kind of like takeaway lessons from this is just be nice? Yeah, man. Yeah. But also, don't be too nice. Sure. But don't be an asshole. Yeah, don't be nice. Don't be an asshole. Don't be confident, but don't hate yourself. Um, <laughs> it sounds like it's going to go into that speech from Team America. And I, I desperately want to <laughs> make sure it doesn't go there. Yeah. Um, Do you want to oh. be a man? You know, it, it, yeah, man. It's it, it, Assisting is a very simple but extremely complex life to have. And... I think you mentioned it, Tom. It's very easy, actually, if you're at a good level, to earn very good money very consistently. And that's where you've got to, as I said, separate yourself from the business because you don't want to be that 
that ego arsehole who's like, you can't afford me, mm. you can't do it, because you'll never know everything. I've been, I've taken some like small jobs to fill a calendar or whatever, where it's just holding, you know, like a three-in-one master line. But actually on that day, there's like a certain surface. This is so sad. There might, might be like a certain surface on the wall where actually the gold side, which you weren't using, was bouncing off this surface. But the color temperature is really nice and the dapple looked amazing on this. And you go, oh, yeah, cool. So how can you make that work in a studio? And then you start playing, you know, and I wouldn't have learned that if I was going to sit at home in my pants and be like, I'm so glad I didn't take that job in Kent because my time is too valuable, you know. But I guess, I guess you always have to work that out for yourself. You've got, you've got to have a growth mindset, I think, to be able to uh, appreciate that because you're basically always looking to learn, you know, a lifelong yes. learner kind of mentality. Mm. And I mean, the same is, is true for photography. We've all taken jobs where you um, you think, oh, God, you know what? This is not what I want to be doing. Like, but I've never done a job time. like that. <laughs> yes. ne- never. The, not in my entire never, career. Never <laughs> in my life. Having to photograph um, uh, some insurance magazine, you know, and it was every week it would be the same kind of, Guy I've, I've heard 50s. those shoots come with a premium. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Still got it. Um, and yeah, you, you you could potentially be looking at it, going, "Oh God, uh, this is this is dull, or this is dry, or whatever." But um, especially because I was getting for a while, I was getting the kind of same kind of gigs week after week, and they could have become very repetitive. But mm. we just I just treated them as like a challenge to go in every week and be like, "Right, well, I've got." You know, at the time, this was this is like 10, 15 years ago where I, I had limited amount of resources in terms of my lighting. So you'd go in with three speed lights and uh, some gel pack that you'd cut up. And you're like, well, well, how can I make this interesting? And it's that yeah. thing of constantly, even the situations where you could, if you were in a negative mindset, you could really get down on them. You've got to try and find a way to turn them around and say, well, what actually can I take away from this? What positive can I take away from this? Yes, I, I totally agree. The, and, and, you know, I think the only... Ah, that's a good one. The, the rules to take away. As an assistant, always make sure you're fed, actually. Don't let anyone ever tell you that there's no time for food or that you're not worth food away. Do, do you know what I mean? There's, I remember when I started off and you go the whole day without eating. And, and actually, I think as a professional, if uh, or even get, not leaving set, right, or, or something, or um, maybe people will disagree with me on this, like sharing rooms on travel, right? So this yeah. is a, this is a classic and you know i remember getting into a big tiff with uh, an agent once who probably you know whatever if they're listening i know you don't like me um mm-hmm. but, you know it was going to be seven days away sharing a room with a bloke i didn't want and uh, um oh that sounds romantic um, <laughs> i don't want you gareth it, did, it didn't work in cape town it's not gonna work in portly um, you know, your taste in t-shirts is just not desirable. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you know, I was going to share a room with this bloke. I didn't know who he was. Um, and anyway, anyway and I, in, after about six email exchanges, because I was on set somewhere else, through my phone, uh, they rang me and I said to the crew, I said, I'm sorry, do, do you mind if I take this? Because I just need to sort something out. All right, dude. Yeah, yeah, no stress. Anyway, okay. Who do you think you are saying you don't want to share? This is an amazing job with a good record. And I said, well, one, I'm a grown man. And two, in the mornings, I want to have a poo naked with the door open because, I, because I'm human and, <laughs> and that's it. That is it. Sometimes I like to just walk around naked in the room 
and just maybe lean on the wall for 10 minutes. I don't know, you know, and what does this other guy like to do? I'm sure he might have some kind of, maybe he likes painting his face like a clown and hiding in the mirror and scaring himself. You know, it's, it's <laughs> but the thing is, it's, you need your own space to, to decompress at the end of the day. You, mm. I'm sure we all know that. If you're surrounded by yeah. even a small crew, like four or five people, whatever, you with them the whole day. The, the thing I love the most, and I think I've got better at this in my personal life as well, actually, is, you know, everyone would be like, do you want to have another drink in the bar? And I'd be like, no, I'm off to have a bath and sit in my room. Mm, and if you're, yeah. if you're sharing a room with someone, you can't do that, man. You can't, you go, I actually, I got one of the last gigs I did was up in Scotland in this, uh, it was like, the client was directly producing it. And uh, I turned up, they, they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. And uh, <laughs> I, 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 I confirmed an email, man. I was like, um, I was going up with a load of DigiKit, renting all this, and I was like, right. And I was going up a day late because I was on another job. But they, I'd worked with them a few times. They, they really liked where I, were. I knew the systems. And I was like, oh, right, cool, cool, cool. And I was bringing a couple of cameras up as well because the, the guy who was shooting was from Vienna. It's all a bit lapsed, but it just paints a picture that a lot of production had been done. I comfort, And I said, look, with the room I have, I've got a lot to charge, so I need to be in. I just want to confirm that this is all good. And they said, "Yeah, you'll have you'll have your own room." You'll have, you know, because I and you shouldn't have to confirm it, but you do. And this highlights why. And I turned up, and the producer, and he just he put like his really big head in mine. I'd got you know I'd flown to Glasgow, and then the model had missed his flight, so we had to drive to Edinburgh and then drive to the location up on the north west. So I've been in the car for like seven hours after flying. I think mm. the travel day turned out to be like 14 hours, man. And I wasn't oh. even, I wasn't even in like Mongolia. I was in fucking, I was in a Skoda on a Scottish <laughs> motorway, you know, <laughs> pulling up to, this is what I love about assisting. You don't get this kind of stuff. We pulled up to a petrol station by the side of like an amazing Vista and, um, go and there's like a, an ice cream machine. And I went into this little room. I didn't. I didn't know anyone was in there. And I was like, "Oh yeah, ice cream!" And this Scottish guy was like, "Where the fuck do you think you are, fucking Brighton?" And I, I, was, I was like, "Brighton's such a specific thing because that's not even warm and sunny right now. This is November, bro. Like, it, it's just the aggressiveness." And I was like, "Uh." But it, in in that room was like weird Sharpie on the walls, like you know, like um, George is a dickhead and did it. But it, it was just this little guy's office, but. That actually wasn't the, when I looked in the ice cream thing, there was no ice cream in there. And I was like, what is this? Do you not have anything in stock? He goes, what, what are you doing in my garage? And it was a random garage adjoined huh? to the petrol station, but it was the guy who lived in the bungalow down the road. And I, I, was, I was like, oh, this is strange. And, and, and then we got into this weird conversation. I was like, so what, um, cause I was just tired, man. And I was, a bit, so, so I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just sitting. And I was like, um, all right, so do you work at the petrol station? He goes, no, 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 I just, I just, I live up the road. And we got into this conversation. It turns out he just really hates his life and his wife and his family. And I was like, this is a really strange experience. So I'm going to leave the, uh, this thing. That's the thing I'll come back to actually, strange experiences as an assistant. There's just, it's amazing. Um, I've got one story to tell, which is great. Um, so where was I going? Anyway, so this producer puts his big head in mine and he goes, he's really posh, Daniel. I went, oh, I'm in trouble. I am in trouble. 
he goes, I am so, so sorry. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, all right, dude, well, yeah, no, no one's dead. And he goes, no, no, not yet. And I was like, oh, what does that mean? And if you, if you imagine move it, it was like something like what we do in the shadows. It was like a big mansion house on a private estate. This guy is like, you know, he's sorted. He can afford to put you in a hotel if there's not enough rooms. Sure. But somehow he got 30 crew into a 20-bed mansion thing. So, you know, stylist assistants are sharing. The vibe in that house was just, it was like peanut brittle if you're allergic <laughs> to nuts. It was fucking... It was hard. And, and I, I, we were filming as well. So I was in like the East Wing. Daniel, you're in the East Wing in Banyan Suite. I, mean, I, I, I was thinking, I'm going to put my Banyan Suite up your bumhole. And I've got like, I've got like four pellies, two bags, because like I'm bringing all this kit up, right? And I've had to check it in myself and drag it myself. And the guy who was driving us, I'm just a driver, wouldn't let me load. And don't scratch the paint. Uh, it's, it's an it's an 06 plate Omega, bro. We, like, <laughs> the whole paint job is a scratch. So we go up to this go up to this East Wing, and I, I, <laughs> I went in, and this guy is just he's like just fiddling with himself in his boxes because it's like really stuffy up there, like starfish on this blow up mattress. And I was like, I'm Dan, and he goes, All right, Dan. Do you want a magnum? And they had this weird little mini fridge. And I'm like, what is going on? And then someone bumps behind me and he's like, hi guys, I've just turned up as well. Oh, cool, sleepover. And I was like, I am ready to fucking die. Um, it wasn't because I, I thought I was over this situation, but I was so tired, man. And it turned out that these two guys, one was a, I didn't know we were filming, but one was a camera op who works on um, documentaries. So he was really used to sharing and he was always pissed up and whatever. Right. And the guy who was really excited was some random intern from like Cardiff or something because this guy, this producer, didn't want to pay the money or do anything. So he's getting all these random dudes from everywhere. And it, it was like something from Faulty Towers. And what I noticed was there was, <laughs> there was this really plush room in the West Wing. I, I just nosied around each morning. I was like, I'm going to see what the score is. There's this amazing room, totally empty. And I was like, uh, I immediately, on, on a professional level, like I said, never have the demeanor of someone in professional. So I went up to the producer and said, oh, oh, yeah, lovely place. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. And uh, I said, I just noticed in the opposite wing, there is quite a large bedroom with about eight power sockets, um, which would be perfect for me and my kit. And I was just wondering if anyone's in there. And he was like, no, no one's in there. And I was like, oh. Would, would you mind terribly if I was to take the place? He goes, no, no, that that's one of the models who's coming in four days is going to be in there. And I, I was like, you bastard. You know, <laughs> hey, long story short, long story short, I, I lost my cool and I actually just moved myself in and I made up a story that the smell from the intern... <laughs> was too much to bear because <laughs> um, I didn't think he was at the level where they'd flag it with him. I just said, I think the probably oh. odour of this man uh, and I can't sleep. Uh, uh. But it came back round to haunt me because old plumbing and Scotland and venison and anyway, I <laughs> managed to block the bathroom suite to the point of Chernobyl <laughs> on the night before the model arrived <laughs> to the suite and she came down 
Um, it, I, I, I would just so I pretty much ruined the, the first shoot day with her because she came down, uh, she'd flown in from Sweden or something, and then got no sleep because of the smell of the drains, and her eyes looked like someone had poked chopsticks into a beach, um, <laughs> they're just devoid of life. And I guess the life lesson of this would be never think you're too good to take a poo in a Scottish bathroom because I had no regrets. But it, 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 the, the regret I had was that I, I hadn't um, put my foot down before entering that East Wing room. Do you know what I mean? I should have just stayed on the bus and been like, look, dude, I just, you have to sort me out a room. But I, yeah. I, I was weak in myself to allow them to lead me to this room and put me in there. And then all of the damage came out of me trying to fix it myself, whereas I should have just been very, very, very professional and just said, look, guys, I'm not, I'm not being an arse. And there was like a, best, <laughs> like a best Western thing just outside the estate for like £30 a night. I should have just said, I'll pay myself to stay there. So yeah. at, at what point during you blocking the plumbing did you realise it was probably time for you to make the jump from assistant to photographer? As I was making the jump out of the second story window <laughs> into a log pile. <laughs> I, I, but do you know what? It was great because I didn't tell anyone. And we were at dinner and we were having like this stew and everyone was going, oh, this is very rich and sumptuous. <laughs> I was going, There's something rich and sumptuous above <laughs> your head in the pipes, my man. Uh, you know, it was, it was all that kind of thing. And, and it was just an irony, you know, that, that it, from, to, su to, to summarise, I'd say from them cutting all the corners, there was so much stress caused by aggravating crew that now as a photographer, I always make sure everyone is sorted out and everyone has their rooms and their food and the da, 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 because you're your own contained people, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you, can, you can never sacrifice, you know, you can't keep that extra bit of budget at the pie for yourself if it's mm. going to sacrifice your lighting assistant's sleep. That is, food and sleep is the two most important things for anyone in any walk of life. And mm. why are you going to deprive anyone of that to make an extra 80 pounds plus VAT? Great. Yeah. You know, um, getting yeah. hungry grumps on set, you know, you don't want anyone with hungry grumps. No, no, man. God, no. Yeah. Also, I think, I think people just forget, like if you, if you look after your crew, they will look after you. Ooh, like when, nice. thank you very much. It's kind of one of my mantras. Not, yeah. not got many, but I've got that one. We're like, yeah. when, you know, I've always looked after my crew and whenever I have paid crew myself, they get paid on the day or they get paid an hour after getting an invoice. Like, yeah. regard because the contract between, is the contract's not between, uh, you know, them and the client. The contract's between me and them, right? So, yeah. Yeah, but it also means that when I pick up the phone, they go, oh yeah, Tom pays real quick. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like when you're on set and stuff, because we know things go catastrophically wrong. If yeah. you've tried to scrimp and scrape pennies from your assistants, they're not going to bend over backwards to try and fix whatever situation it is. Because yeah. they're just like, no, man, like, why on yeah. earth? Like they like a good assistant will make or break a shoot. And mm. if, if you are then sticking them in a room with a man with a mini fridge full of magnums. And who is keeping who is keeping ice cream in a fridge? Not a yeah, but they weren't even full size. They weren't even full size. I mean, that should and, have been the the kind of the main the main indication, we, really. At which I point would, did he? Which point did he pull his pant his hat out of his pants to get the magnum out of the fridge? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? It, it, he was 
the the only way I'm going to say it is seared into my brain. The way he was fondling while sucking the Magnum stick <laughs> made me realise that he wasn't going to remove his hand. It was there. But that, no. was, that was also the same hand which was opening and closing the door to the room. <laughs> so I'm just going to... But, you know, actually... He was such a dude. He was a really nice guy, you know, on the shoot. It was a, he was like one of the best dudes there. And the more you talk to him, he, he was the classic like doco dude filming mm. who just spends all of his life plane, train, bus, whatever, will yeah. sleep in any box, whatever. But it was, it was that kind of twist because they put doco guys on a commercial advertising shoot. Yeah. And that's where, it, and they knew what they were doing because they said, oh, these guys were mine, whatever. So then that made me look like the arse. Because when I flagged yeah. it with him on set, he was like, well, I don't see what the problem is. You know, I shared a shared a, a mud hut in, you know, X, Y, and Z for three months. And I said, well, actually, no, I'd do that if it, if it was part of the course. But context. Yeah, yeah. But the fact is we're in a mansion in Scotland on some guy's private estate. And you yeah. can't even get, you know, anyway. I, I'm starting to sound like an ego maniac, but you know, um, I would have. It took me a day and a half to warm up to him, but if I hadn't been sharing a room, we would have got on straight away at breakfast. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. all I could think of as he was passing me the muesli was his <laughs> his muesli's. Yes, was his red, purple, and brown striped box. What? Ew. No, no. <laughs> so, so you know. How are you going to top that with weird things you've seen then as an assistant? I've seen so many weird things, man. We, uh, when I was in Athens once on a massive fashion campaign, we managed to take seven stray dogs back to the hotel. We got a wolf pack uh, while we were all pissed up. Um, <laughs> it was the best thing I've ever seen in my life because, um, you know, I didn't know like the stray dog problem in Athens was so big. Um, massive populace, but they're all chiller. And we were, we'd had a bit of ouzo and we were coming back from a cafe and I was like, oh, dogs. And this producer was like, no. <laughs> and, you know, the local guys. And all of a sudden there were like these 16 dogs and the photographer I was working with, he was really, he had a baby. So every time we were away, he was like cutting loose. The lighting assistant was one of, one of our mates as well. So we were all like, yeah, he's a dog pack. Woo. Fast <laughs> forward like 20 minutes and you're in a reception of this. Athens hotel quite bougie with all these dogs barking and, and people are going, you have, you can't bring in these animals. Yeah. <laughs> and we go, they are our friends. Yeah. Yeah. No, anything. You know, um, I've, I've seen the best, the best one where I think it made me realize I wanted to go into the career was, um, when I was working in Manchester, worked with a really random dude. Um, and I'm not going to mention any names just in case someone random knows him. But so I was living uh, in Leeds at the time. And so I got the train through at like 5 a.m. to meet this guy at Piccadilly at like 5 to 6 or whatever. And he lives out in the middle of nowhere. He's quite lofty. They're like perfect. I'd describe the photography world as a sitcom, which has already been written 20 mm -hmm. times. You just need to film it. So I turn up. My rate was like, it was for Toyota, I think. I think my rate was £85 for the day. Yeah, it was very fresh. I was like, this is going to be a good day. We get to drive cars and eat Waitrose sandwiches. And uh, I was like, I can't wait for this. You know, and still to this day, it's one of the best experiences I've ever had, just purely for the 20 minutes of confusion. So he had like an old landy. It was like wearing a cravat. And like, a, a, I was thinking, hmm, this guy's like 
styled because I, I was just I looked homeless at that time to be fair because I was I was just BMXing and living in a DOS house you know oh, hey man have you got a lighter you know smoking as well you know? and uh, anyway he picked me up and he was really nice uh, it was like classic FM um, he was telling me about like his herd of alpacas and you know all this kind of stuff and uh, we were driving around Manchester and uh, so in hindsight there was his altercation with this white BMW 5 series who kind of zigzagged and then cut him up at a intersection um and he was super calm but in hindsight his knuckles were so white on the steering wheel <laughs> and uh, but all the time he's going and how are you finding leads dan in that like kind of psychotherapist voice um and i was going yeah it's really good and, and, and what would you like to go into shooting and what would you like to do and after about five six seven minutes i'd realized we've just been in the loop following this five series taxi. Mm. And I, I was going, oh, and so how long do you think it'll take to get to Toyota? Because they're on the outskirts. He's like, oh, you know, maybe half an hour. And all of a sudden, this this bimmer was going to go in the left lane, but it was kind of wedged between a moped driver and a, and a lorry. So there was a gap like by the side of it. And all of a sudden, he puts his foot down, and I, 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 I got like whiplash. I was like, what is going on? And he sort of screeched to a halt, boxing this bimmer in like hands the tightest i've ever you know could have slapped a child's neck and i'm going okay and he, he like really calmly like puts on the hazards he goes dan i'm just gonna pop out and have a word with this um driver um and all this time you've got to imagine it's like american psycho there's like bark's fifth symphony playing in the background of classic <laughs> fm right i'm in this 80s landy which smells of dog He's wearing a cravat and corduroy. He is like on for this. And I, as you do, as soon as he's got out, human impulse, I'm like just checking my phone. I'm like, uh. and then I can hear like, and he's reaching through this window to try and kill this bloke and <laughs> ripping off this windscreen wiper on this bimmer, right? He's ripping off this, and I'm going, I today. I'm going to die. And he's going, I will end, I will end your life. Anyway, throws this windscreen wiper at the window. This this guy in his taxi is just hands up going, I just, I, I didn't, what, I didn't know I'd done anything. So innocent, you know. There's, there's a client in the back screaming, oh, well, from the hair movement to the semi-tints, which were a little bit bubbled, I could tell she was probably panicking quite a bit. <laughs> um, and then he, he kind of came back in to the car Turned off the hazards, it put his belt on, and then we just started driving off. He went up like a side street and whatever. And he goes, uh, and you were telling me about Leeds, Dan. And I was like, oh my God, this is just the best. You know, and, and from that day, I was like, I have to meet more of these people. Because I think, you know, one in six jobs, which is really random, you know, section, um, you would meet these people. There, there was one guy I worked with um, who was like a paragliding. He looked like Antonio Banderas mixed with a second car, uh, second-hand car salesman. And on beauty shoots, when the model, there's a Elliot. I was with him on this shoot. Uh, he's a, another ex assistant. He's shooting them, and he'd be like, he'd wear like these really low-cut V-neck t-shirts, and he would talk like this. He Shoots hair campaigns. He lives in New York, but he's from, uh, you know, España. And hmm. he'd literally be like, and this is a video of me hang gliding topless off Cape Town Table Mountain. And all these models would be like, why are you showing me these? And he'd be like, and this is me 
painted as a tiger. Do you like tigers? And, and we, we, it'd be one of those shoots where you'd be, they'd be like, can you just close set? And we'd be behind the polyboards going, this is not, this isn't real. This guy can't be real. He has to be, <laughs> this has to be like face jacker or whatever. This is just so strange. And he'd do like, he'd be like, he'd get really like aroused behind the camera and just start screaming, beautiful, beautiful into the camera. But he's doing a beauty macro shot of a woman. So he's only like 11 inches from this woman's face. You can't lean any further back because she's got a tennis ball at the back of her head. And she's going, I love it. This is great. You know, and you just think, especially coming from a building site, you think, "Mm, that reminds me of uh, Lursa, the Lithuanian, who used to get really drunk at lunchtime and take a sledgehammer to cars. It's just the extremities. So um, to this day, Layla, my partner, keeps saying I have to write my sitcom and screenplay. But, um, you know. Yeah, you, and, you know, producers and did it. And there was one time in, in um, Iceland, a, a producer, um, production assistant, she was telling me about, um, I probably shouldn't share this really, but she, it was one of those awkward things where all the rest of the crew has gone to bed, last orders, we're not paying, we've got a load of cocktails in. And she started telling me about how her and her boyfriend were swingers. Um, but with they became swingers because they went home and found out her parents were swingers and ended up joining in in this... <laughs> And we in this creative director uh, are there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we in this creative director. We're like, uh, and before I could even look at him, he was gone. And then it was just me and her. And then she was, she was so intense. She was like, um, you know, when you go to like, you know, when you see like lamping, she was like two million watt candle torches <laughs> looking at me and she goes, and what do you like to do, Dan? And I was like, in in life in life in because you know i'm not like the most sherry of people I, uh, I and she was this really meek like 22 year old you know unassuming gentle english rose and she was looking at me like she was gonna rip off my nipples and use them <laughs> as like tanning bed glasses <laughs> yeah i was so scared man and uh, you know and flip, flipped on a on a second, and the next day, all I'm saying is the crew bus was so awkward because he told everyone <laughs> the, the CD had told everyone he was like, "This is gold." Yeah, and, um, yeah, and you know, you'd be going over some rocky ground, and you know, a stylist would be going, "Oh, it's swinging about a bit here." Isn't it? <laughs> oh, get, no. some pam- get some pampas grasses in this bus. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. You, you've got yeah. a laugh band you know you've got a, it's just great it's great content loved it every second <laughs> so yeah i mean i mean that was a bit of a random uh trajectory but no no know, it was it was, it was so, good we're, we're gonna we're gonna start wrapping it up but at yeah. what point quickly obviously yes, it, yes. It, it would be doing ourselves a disservice if we didn't obviously cover one of the main points at what at yes. what point did you decide that enough was enough with assisting and that you were then going to make the jump to full-time shooting yeah do you know what i'd actually would have stayed assisting a lot longer but just from picking stuff up i started getting um more and more shooting jobs alongside and i i ended up being too stressful juggling my calendar so i start i started setting a minimum rate and that freed up some days for me to have mm-hmm. meetings and have jobs. And it, it kind of just slowly, I had like a really slow retirement. I had like a two and a half, three year retirement where I was do, I was shooting. And that's what I was saying before about being, being transparent. And if someone, you know, be on set with a photographer and they'd be like, what are you doing next week? I'd be like, oh, I'm shooting a thing for this. You know, I, I wouldn't say, oh, you know, I'm just working. Um, and through that, you know, generally, gradually those photographers would be like, well, yeah, I won't book him because he's starting to shoot, you know, 
not in a negative sense, just say, you know, I start the shoot. Um, yeah. and, and naturally I just slid out of those roles, you know, um, I, you know, transparent again, some, sometimes I'll still go do a very cheeky digital job. So, you know, I've got no qualms about it. Someone mm-hmm. rings me and I've got a quiet day. I get to hang out with my mate and do, and just switch off of the day and press some keys. I'm down with it, man. It's great. It's, um, I think that's the biggest challenge I found is it like the, 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 workload how it comes and the extremities it's a lot you can sort of set the level as an assistant and i think as a photographer you've got to kind of ride it a bit more i don't know if you guys agree but um yeah i found it's a different lifestyle shooting to assisting definitely you know i i don't i can't really compare i've never assisted Mm. i don't know i don't know greg if did you ever assist the only time i ever assisted was uh I mean, talk about weird experiences. I think you know, considering I basically only ever really had one assisting job, it, it, it was pretty weird. Uh, it involved some fire juggling and a, um, what's the correct term for this? Um, yes, pick your ooh. words. Pick your words very carefully. <laughs> I am excited. <laughs> An amputee fetish model with a 12-inch strap-on. Great. Right, eh? Tell me more. And, uh, um, and which one of your high-end clients was this for? <laughs> it was actually, there was a magazine back in the day, and it's no longer around, called Bizarre Magazine. Bizarre uh, Magazine, mm. wow. And um, I, wow. Was, I was assisting, a, a, I was basically, I wasn't really assisting the photographer. I'd been given, asked to come along by the mag as a kind of spare pair of hands. And um, it was it was, a, it was an eye-opener. I, I remember the photographer turning up in a massive, you know, Humvee, ticking all the kind of, boxes stereotypical boxes i had in my head um uh it was like yeah it was very very odd and i was effectively just a runner on set and um i remember stumbling being sent to this dressing room to to ask about something and stumbling on this poor woman who was kind of took it totally in her stride literally literally sat there no she was she was Billy Bollock naked and oh. and putting her leg on, um, which was yeah, it was quite. I wasn't well, wasn't what I was expecting. To how see. old? Yeah, how had you really had you seen anything like that before? Was it a bit? Of, was it? Did it just completely kind of catch you by surprise when you come around the corner? Yeah, I mean, I don't know the words really. I don't mm. know the words. I mean, that should say enough. That, that reminds me yeah. of a time for GQ magazine when I first come to London and. Uh, we were shooting, um, it was when the Olympics were here and it was a, a, a pummel horse dude. Oh, they had yeah. to like, he was wearing a jock strap because they were going to retouch it so they looked naked with his legs akimbo. But I had to, his, I had to support his buttocks from behind, but his bum hole, with, <laughs> when I had to do it, it was like my third eye. And you know when, like your parents ask, how is your life going? And you have to say, <laughs> well, today uh, I touched an Olympian's ring, and uh, you hope that they interpret it the other way as to the reality of the situation. Um, you know, so, you know, it's great. Some days, you know, I, I literally did nothing. You think more life. 
So, you know, it's a weird, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's, it's, it's a weird bag. It's, um, it's an exciting career option, basically. It's fantastic, if you're out man. there and you're considering assisting, um, I hope that today has been an eye-opener for that. It, you'll, get to, you'll get to do some crazy things. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 you know, the, the summary for me is it, it will take you to places you would never have gone and you'll meet people you would have never have met. And I, I, I think at the base of it, that is an amazing reason to do it. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and that is it, you know. Um, I, I mean, I, I know I've rambled far too long and I, I don't think I've probably answered no, no. anything, but, you know. Well, we, we've, our, our final kind of thing that we always do with our guests is a bit of a kind of desert island uh, Well, it is. It's a total rip-off. We, of yeah, we island. have completely ripped that off <laughs> completely. Yeah. So we, we've not... <laughs> We tend to ask um, what people's, if they had to go on a desert island, what would be their uh, pick for a photo book and what would be their pick for a desert island camera? Yeah, yeah, okay. It's like a little um, bit well, of light relief after Olympian sphincters. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, my photo book would be the Olympian sphincter volume 12 <laughs> from Nagasaki 82. Uh, I feel like the frost ratio um, was great. Um, I actually, so I'm a bit ignoramus on photo books. Um, from being work, work, work and blinky, 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 I'm quite similar with photography. Um, unless I stumble across it, I don't find it. But my fa- so my favourite book is, um, and I will show it to you guys. I know people can't see, but you, know, you guys. We, we is, can describe it. Is this. So it is called Citizen. Mm-hmm. And it's by an extremely nice guy called Ingvar Kenner. He's a Swedish photographer who I assisted on a, um, I don't know, it's like an Australian bank commercial. He lives in Australia. Um, and he's, he spent um, about 15 years traveling around on a motorbike. And it's, it's a little bit like Peter Hugo, uh, maybe like deadpan portraits of people, mm-hmm. all 6'6", six, six, sort of Mamirvard. Mm. But there's like a distance and a connection um, in his photography. Which, what was the chap's name? Ingvar Kenner. So it's uh, I-N-G-V-A-R and then K-E-N-N-E. And also his book is wrapped in Hessian, which is really nice. Nice. Um, nice. But it's, um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's just something about, you know, he's shot, you know, and he's got like Al Weiwei and people. and But then it, they, they're, they're put next to like Joe Bloggs from a motel on the side of the road. And he, yeah. when... I don't know, when you meet him, you see him in his work. I don't know if that sounds arsy or not, but he's just a really nice dude. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like he gave me this book on the job because he brought some over for clients. He was like, yeah, take my book. And at the time I was like, well, a bit poncy, isn't it? You're giving out your book on the job. Take my book. But because I, I said I'm ignoramus, I don't really buy them. It's like I, I actually quite treasure it. And it the, the more I look over it, the, the more I, I appreciate the frames in it. And mm. I don't know, it's just the variety and, and the, there's a continuity in his style, which, you know, the front cover is this Aboriginal woman and she's behind her washing, you know, and it, I don't know, there's just something about is disjointed and together at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the expression she has and stuff, like she doesn't look the friendliest, but obviously he's been speaking to him, whatever. And is that kind of, yeah, I don't know, there's like a, a contrast and a subtlety in his work, which I, I really do like. Mm. Um, and it, you know, in a lot of my personal work is I like the mundane and normal, and these people are just wherever, you know. He's just he hasn't posed them; they just they're just stood. That's it, you know. 
Um, nice. Yeah, it's a bit, you know, he's got Tracy well, Owen in here, you know, whatever. Well, yeah. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, yes. If, if it's for sale somewhere, we'll try and link to it. I'm sure um, it is. And for your, your Desert Island camera, what's that? Oh, dude, this, this is... It's actually a Tamagotchi with a camera on it. Um, <laughs> it's just really hard, actually, um, because... Yeah, I mean, Fuji, you, you like shooting Fujis from what I remember. Yes, so I've got a 100F, which I absolutely adore. I think as long as I've as long as I've known you, you've always had an X one hundred of some ilk always hanging around your neck. Yeah, so I have it on me pretty much all the time. But then, is that too easy to say it's my Desert Island camera? Is it like is it too? Because I love my D eight fifties, which is what I use for commercial. Mm. But at the same time, so we just started this little dog in lockdown project, and we've made an Instagram, and everything on that I'm using the Fuji because it's very inconspicuous and nice and whatever. So. Off the bat, I would say that. Um, but, I mean, I guess you don't have any... I, I, I've never been one for shooting film, actually. You know, like, I do like the tonalities, but I don't actually shoot it. I think it would either be the X100F or if I just wanted to spend all day cleaning sand out of it, like a Phase 1 XF. <laughs> and Because then I'd be more occupied, right? I'd just be like, this is great. This you would have me as well. Too. Yeah, no, I, I think I'd, I think I'd stick with the with the Fuji because it actually. I think the last few years of me shooting, I've totally changed. I used to be, I, I used to think I wanted to do very locked off technical stuff mm. and use phases, but it's totally changed the way I shoot, and it's taken me back to how when I first started shooting, when I went to that foundation degree, it was very photojournalistic, and it was all about finding frames and stuff, and not really making them, and, and it's allowed me to fuse. Uh, technical approach and remembering what I personally like and right. it's just it's lovely to have and I, I totally get why so many people enjoy using Fuji because um, they're they're great and they're small and mm -hmm. they're good quality and they feel robust you know, and, and, and the colours yeah. are nice yeah the, col the colours are good so last 10 seconds on the Fuji the you know like luminous orange and green has come out so well and on my Nikon they're totally washed Mm. Um, and I think you just get that little bit of depth. And being a, being a crop sensor, you get you get a, the extra depth of field, but the feel of the drop off as well. I don't, I don't know, Greg. I know you use the, the old Fuji, and Tom, you've got a. Yeah. Haven't you got a one hundred? No, or, I've I've now I'm put a purely Leica. I, I've oh sold, my days! Yeah, he's, sold. He's risen my... above. No, don't speak to oh, don't speak to Tom by the polyboard. This is this is what your assistants would do. The first would be like, do not directly address Tom. Do not touch the likers. <laughs> he does he does not like warm ale. He does not do and you know. I mean, to be like, fair, I I don't like warm ale. It's disgusting, but he, man. <laughs> but you're first. You'd be like, do, do you think Tom would like a drink? And the first would be like, don't talk to me. Stand by that 16 amp cable and wait to be looked at. That is where, that's where you're going to be, Tom. It's going to be great. Do you know, do you know what? In my, in my defense, I used an X100 for years and years and years. Uh, actually, I think on your recommendation, I bought one uh, and really loved it. And then when I tried the Leica Q, I fell in love all over again. And then mm. I upgraded to a Q2. And I don't know, there's something about full frame and 1.7 semi lux. All about it. Yeah, dude. Bang! Tell you what, actually, on on the flippity, on the flippity, the the reason I'd be tough pressed to leave the Nikon is because it like this is really geeky, but at like three point two, hundred and fifty mil, 
the Nikon feels so creamy and cinematic. It mm. is re it's re like really, really nice. You, you cheat that depth, which a lot of DSLRs don't get. And that's what I shoot a lot of my work on, actually. Um, and and in, in, you know, like on the back of film from assisting, I've ended up going in that way a lot because I've known how sets work. Mm. I'd much rather use that close in and, and have to battle with focus stuff because the, I don't know, it's just something about the textures and shooting. You know, I used to be like nothing over a hundred ISO. Now I'm like 5,000 ISO, uh, 40th <laughs> of a second. Let's do it. And it's because it, you get that you get the feel and the vibe, right? And that's why I love, I do love the Nikon, but I think, I think, yeah, for, for usability, the Fuji does, does actually steal it. Mm. It's very nice. Cause I, I can't take cinematic shots of my own toes on the desert islands. It just, it'd be self-gratification. And also, I wouldn't be able to focus that close. So, <laughs> you know, on a purely technical, if I was going back I to the I don't man, think your legs are that short. Um, <laughs> oh, I think you're fine. Uh, and also, at, at 3.2, even at 100 ISO on a very sunny day, you're going to have to put a one-stop ND in that. Um, and you'll probably be better taking a 4 by 4 map box system, but I, I think with the sand, you're in a lot of trouble if you scratch those rings. Are you on about the Olympians? No, 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 just the cameras. Just, <laughs> it's, just, it's just the cameras I'm on about. I'm not on about the I, Olympians. I love the fact you brought it back to the rings. Um, I think that's probably a good, good <laughs> point to end on, to be honest. I think that's a perfect uh, quote to live it by, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming on today, Dan. I think that um, there was some absolute nuggets in there. Um, oh, no, there weren't. Stop with the ring, bro. Mainly in that guy's you know pants. I knew it this, was coming. I this, knew it was coming. This ex-assistant just has a fetish. I can't listen to anything he said. I don't, I don't know what these voices are I'm putting on either. Lockdown has destroyed my communication skills. It's really weird. Oh, I don't really know. Weird. I think they add to it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'm manic, absolutely. Um, Excellent. So, yeah, no, thanks, yeah. thanks for having me. It's um, yeah, uh, feel uh, one just to talk to you guys, and two, it's um, quite humbling to even be considered for. Um, I mean, I, I, do, I guess I just don't talk at length much about myself, so it's quite weirdly interesting yeah. to do. Yeah, I mean, I found it. I found it very interesting. I found it very amusing as well. Um, we had a call a couple of weeks ago. And let me get a word in edgeways. <laughs> yeah, well, and that was just before my breakdown, Tom. So you know, if you'd have actually been listening, certainly I was crying out for help, and you didn't help. <laughs> well, are you saying it's my fault? No, I would never direct blame. As I said on professionally on set, I would just address the issue with you and exactly, work with you. Exactly. Well, we'll 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 sort that off air. <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah. we will. You just watch this space. Um, yeah, absolutely great. Fantastic. Well, thank Thanks, you very Dan. much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys, and enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Uh, thank you very much for listening to today's episode. Uh, we hope you guys really enjoyed it. Uh, if you would like to follow us along on Instagram, we are at xnegative, that's E-X negative. Uh, and you can follow us personally. Mine is at tombarns.com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M at the end. And Greg's is at Greg Fennell, and that is with two N's and two L's. We hope to catch you on the next one. And thank you very much for listening.